2: apple card issued by goldman sachs bank usa salt lake city branch subject to credit approval terms apply
3: welcome to star talk your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide star talk begins right now this is star talk's Sports Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. I got with me Gary O'Reilly. Gary. Hey, Neil. All right. Uh, he's he's the, the one and only former professional athlete mm-hmm. among us. Okay. <laughs> so you, you give authenticity to this program. I just have to remind people every now and then of that mm-hmm. fact. Uh, and I got Chuck, of course. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, buddy. Oh, always good to uh, have you here. Clearly not a professional anything. <laughs> He's oh, a professional comedian. No, I just get paid to do that. I am not professional at all. <laughs> oh, that's different. <laughs> I didn't know you could distinguish
3: <laughs> those two cases. Uh, t- today, we're, we're, we're continuing our Olympic spirit. And it's going to be Cosmic Queries of, for about Olympic sports. And our studio guest is Professor Eric Goff. Not a stranger to Star Talk, Eric. Welcome back to Star Talk.
4: Glad to be with y'all. Very glad to be Get back. Yeah.
3: So you are you're a professor of physics, at the University of Lynchburg, Virginia. Yep. Uh, but what I wonder is your particular expertise of many just in the general sports world, being a physicist there's physics and everything, but in particular, and why we have you on this program, um, is your expertise in the martial arts. And in particular, Mm -hmm. a black belt in karate. And I'm thinking... Man, how did you originally become chair of the department? <laughs> was it a threat? Wow, look at that. <laughs> was, uh-huh. was it a karate threat? What? Mm. You know, I mean, I think folks in the phys- There is no fear in this dojo, and I will also be the
2: chair of this department. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute. Just, you, you're author of the book, Gold Medal Physics. I love it. It's just bringing science to where people want it and need it. Um, in, uh, in high-performance competition. Uh, this is, it's just great to have you here. And, and this a Cosmic Queries. We'll get to the questions in a minute, but I just want to uh, just sort of get some, some foundational information out there. How many other physics, black belt karate people do you know?
4: Um, the only one I ever knew of uh, was Roddy McNair, who was on the eighty-six Challenger. Um, unfortunately, um, right. I, I'm right. not. I'm not that familiar with too many other uh, people who've studied physics and, uh, and and martial arts. My second book is the Physics of Krav Maga, which I've I've really gotten into recently. I I, I really like Krav Maga. That that's a fun thing to do.
2: Um, well, wow, because you get to beat See, karate. You don't beat people up. Krav Maga is the whole point.
4: <laughs> oh, my, my, That's why the, it's whole, not in point, the, Olympics, the whole point is yeah. to beat people up. We're not going to see Krav Maga in the Olympics for a while, I'm
0: afraid. No. Can you <laughs> imagine the destruction if Krav Maga were in the
3: Olympics? Wait, wait. So, so, what's going on in Tokyo? Are we getting. You no, know, there have been combat sports in the Olympics like forever, you know, starting out with wrestling. We've got boxing. We've had judo. So, where, karate, you're telling me, has never been in the Olympics before Tokyo?
4: So karate, I guess, is in there the first time this year, and I and I don't think it's permanent. I believe this is a you know it's a trial. They're going to see what, mm-hmm.
3: what it's an it's exhibition like. kind of thing, um, okay.
4: you know. So there's been a lot of qualifying going on, and and I've had a chance to watch some of that, and it, it's it's pretty impressive to see all the the various uh, movements in karate now getting into the Olympics. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch.
2: So is is karate when you're competing? Is it full contact like Game of Death with <laughs> Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. Do you leave a big footprint on
4: somebody's chest, and that lets
2: that lets you know that you won? But
4: when you're training, you might have that. I don't know that uh, you're going to see that much in the Olympics. In fact, I, I think the American audience might find karate to be the more tame, the tame of the three martial arts. When they're looking at judo and taekwondo, they're going to see some of the sparring and karate. They'll have the hand pads and the foot pads, but. They won't have headgear on like, you know, like you're going to see in Taekwondo. They're not going to have the, the you know, the chest protectors like in Taekwondo. So there you're really going after points. It's, it's not going to look like, you know, a, a Bruce Lee movie or anything like that.
3: Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying Taekwondo is in the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why is karate the, you know, the Johnny come lately here? What What was it about it that made it not a candidate as early as these other martial arts have been?
4: But part of the competition will be katas. I mean, these are very nice, elegant choreographed yeah. sequence of movements with a lot Almost of- Almost like a dance. It, it, it will look like a dance in some respects. Yeah. There's a lot of power, speed, agility, uh, you know, knowing the right breathing techniques. I mean, it, it, it's really going to be interesting to watch these things, but they're not fighting. You know, they're, they're practicing all the the moves that they need whenever they would be fighting. Um, but they're doing this in a sequence of moves that kind of get them, you know, used to, you know, if I throw one punch, I need to follow it with another, that type of thing that they use in, in sparring.
2: Because Yakata is like a discipline, right? I mean, it's the same all the way through each time. And you have to kind of get that down before you, you know, before there's any combat, right? Yeah. And then.
4: There are about 102 of these that the athletes at the Olympics are going to be choosing from and they're going to be performing two of them. So they're going to be judged on the quality of the, you know, the the technical points, the athletic points that they're going to be earning. I mean, that, that's a big part of it.
0: Do you have an unfair advantage as a physics professor being a black belt karate?
4: Um, A nerd fighting? Um you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: You know exactly
2: what forces are in play. Nerd fight! There
1: you go. Me, do you, do you not fight! Nerd fight!
4: <laughs> I know. I, yeah, yeah, when I'm being pinned to the ground, I know exactly how much force is on my neck and what angle my arm's being held oh. back and what torque is being exerted on my shoulder and all that kind of stuff. What rotation rate when I get hip-tossed. I mean, all these things are really fun to know when when the instructor's explaining something because then i have in my mind you know oh okay of course i'm going to do this with my arms because that's going to benefit my angular momentum and, and these types of things that we, we think about in physics um does it help me do them better i i don't know <laughs> you know i'm i'm still working on getting the middle-aged body a little bit more svelte
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no the, the, in the line these hundred moves that you said is any of them Uh, Do they include wax on, wax off?
4: Well, they will have some that'll look like that. I mean, you will see some movements that are going to look like they are doing these types of things. They're going to, you know, have some very rhythmic punches. They'll be doing some jumps and some, you know, attacks down to the ground. Uh, They're going to be doing a lot of kicks and stuff. But of course, they're not, you know, they're not fighting anyone and they're being judged for this. So, you know, there will be a subjective element to the the scoring there.
0: Can you get away with intuitive moves so you talk about there's this choreographed routine for each fighters can all of a sudden you see something and intuitively i know exactly how to undo this set of moves and to your advantage
4: sure i mean like one of the uh qualifying matches i saw between these two very talented ladies that were sparring um you know one one gets in close and she's got an enormous amount of flexibility and all of a sudden does almost a split with the leg coming straight up, hitting her opponent in the head, and I think that surprised her opponent that she, that, that in close that she could you know almost do a, a vertical split and get and score a headshot and get you know the 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 epon the three points for the the scoring a hit like that.
2: By the way, if you ever get a chance to go on YouTube and check out the uh, karate just um, practice moves. That one of the things they do is that split straight up in the air, just like Eric described, but then they kick the air multiple times, just up. And it is unbelievable. They mm-hmm. pull the knee down and go straight back up into that full split position. And they pull the knee down and do that while maintaining a straight leg in the split all the way through. It is strength. That it's is unbelievable incredible
4: strength. And, and look well, at how that look at the planted foot you're going to see it pivoted back i mean they know exactly how to maintain the balance there's no center mass yeah. going over the heel or anything like that it, it's perfect technique yeah so, yeah, so it's eric
3: um suppose in one moment there's a move i could do on an opponent that is not from the karate portfolio is it counted as illegal?
4: So you can be penalized. And one thing that's that has been taking place during the qualifying rounds is they have video replays. And what the coach Ooh. can actually challenge a move. And if they look at the replay and, and the people who are judging the replay have a lot of martial arts experience. If they see that you've done something untoward, you could be penalized for that. They can take a point away.
3: Uh, given the physics of the situation, is there a karate move that you find to be particularly devastating because of how thoroughly it exploits the laws of physics.
4: Yes, moving. If you simply get out of the way, I mean, wh- one of the things you notice in, in judo is there's a lot of grappling and they want maximum efficiency for a minimum amount of effort. And the, the whole philosophy there is you don't try to, you know, wrestle. You don't You don't try to grapple with a much powerful opponent. You evade... And then you use the opponent's momentum. You, you try to get them off balance. Simply evading is a very powerful technique in martial arts, <laughs> getting out of the way.
3: That means you need reflexes. <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah. You need, you need fast, <laughs> no. fast switching muscles, yes.
3: <laughs> a, a little thing called reflexes yeah. there.
2: So, there's a guy.
0: You need to be able to read a situation. So, if there's a movement, a slight movement of a shoulder or a knee, you know that equals a certain move. That's right. So, you've got to be absolutely intuitive with body language and understanding what that means coming to and you. And when you're
4: watching the karate, the, the sparring, watch the, the lead hand and watch how they're, you know, they're wiggling and they're trying to get their opponent to, to, to move in or out at a given, yeah. you know, they're, fe- they're like,
2: fe- like a fishing lure they're
4: feigning the movement. And then all of a sudden yeah. watch, you know, the, the front hand come up or the back leg or something's going to happen very quickly. And you're going to, they're, they're going to call a point and you're not even going to have seen it that quickly. You know, a, a kick's going to be landing on the, on the, the chest or something, and you're just not going to see it. And, and then they'll do a replay or something where you can see it a little better.
3: Eric, that reminds wow. me. I used to, uh, in my years, I wrestled uh, two different uh, blind opponents and uh, there's a, diff- a slightly different rule where uh, when you begin, you begin connected to each other rather than separate. And so that's fine, you know, because you, you land there anyway uh, when, you're, when you sort of lock up. But I, I noticed that I could not move any of my muscles without my opponent, again, who was blind, responding to what I might do next for having sensed what my muscle tension and relaxing was doing in any given moment so
4: yeah but i mean if if you take away your major information gatherer your eyes i mean imagine how much more you know acuity you're going to have in your hearing and your 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 touch and other right
3: what you rely on at at that point we almost have to take a break but i want to just go into this transition um i remember ronald mcnair um as you had said Mm, at the beginning of this segment um, as one of, of course, he was one of the uh, Challenger astronauts. Yeah. He uh, he was at MIT, if I remember correctly. He he uh, published an article for the American Journal of Physics, physics of Karate. Yeah, the, the physics of Karate, yeah. and what what I, and I remembered reading that, and it was just so simple and brilliant. So what he did was he took stroboscopic um, frames of mm-hmm. a Karate punch. Okay. So when you begin a karate punch, your fist has zero velocity. Yep. When you end your karate punch, it has zero. <laughs> your fist has zero velocity. Otherwise your fist keeps flying off your arm. So somewhere in there, your fist has maximum velocity. Yep. And you can look at the strobe to determine that. And he simply said, "Make contact with your opponent in that spot." Yep. Okay, where you want maximum fist speed, and unlike that, you know, the bar room brawl where you you, you punch in and you hit the person at the extent of your arm, that's not when your hand's going the fastest. That's right. And, and so, so Eric, how many people know this? Well, if, is, is if, it intuitive you, to them because you know the physics of it, and that kind of helps. Getting getting back to Gary's point.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you read the physics of Krama a guy do that very same thing in there, I talk about the exact same thing where there's a misconception that when your arm is completely straight, that's like your punching distance. So that's the, you know, when you're gauging your opponent and it's not, you know, it's, it's in that halfway point where you, you know, your velocity's you know, reached its maximum magnitude before it comes down again, as your arm is stretching out, you know, that's where your your high kinetic energy is for making a punch. And, and I, you know, whenever you watch a lot of movies, you'll often see, you know, in the choreographed stage fighting, you know, some of these punches are landed with a long arm and stuff, um, instead of being more in close. So that, that's where it starts to look a little fake.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, well no, to you, everyone else, yeah, that's legit, you know, if they don't know the yeah. physics of it. Yeah. So you want to hit at a, a person or make contact somewhere between the beginning and the end where speeds is maximum and you maximize your momentum and your kinetic energy bada bing bada bing when we come back in the next segment we're going to pick up questions from our fan base from our patreon fan base uh directed right at eric Goff. when you return
2: That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes
1: true. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. Gary O'Reilly. Hey. All right. Chuck Nice. Hey. And we've got an old friend of the show, Eric Goff, who's written. He's a physics professor talking about sports. Mm-hmm. That is that is Star Talk made in heaven right there. <laughs> and we are Cosmic Queries, and we're about to go to our bank of questions with people asking about the physics of all kinds of sports, especially since we've got the Olympics upon us. So, uh, who's got the first question there? You all guys.
0: right, I'll jump straight in. Um, Do it right, Merit... Mary Elsa, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. A question from my nine-year-old swimmer. Can you explain in simple terms why freestyle, or if you prefer front crawl, is the fastest style of swimming according to the laws of physics? Over is you, that professor. right? I didn't
3: know it, that. It is. You know, I, I kept thinking, I kept thinking, is there some other swimming stroke that no one has invented yet that is faster than freestyle? And it ought to be allowed if, in fact, it's called freestyle. So, Eric, did you actually calculate that this is the fastest thing we can do in the water?
4: Well, the the simplest way to think about it is it's just a matter of drag. Um, You know, you stick your hand out the window. You feel a lot of air drag on your hand. Now you go into water. you're
3: Well, out the window of a moving car.
4: Of a moving car, Yep.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can I can open the window of my bedroom and I don't feel a drag. Right, okay. Unless it's a windy on day. On a windy that's day. Right. <laughs> yeah.
4: So you you go into water, you're like eight hundred times denser, you know, than air. I mean, you're you're looking at something that's you're pushing against as you're trying to move through the water. So the front crawl, it's faster than the backstroke, the butterfly, the breaststroke, it's faster than any of these strokes. Mainly you're you're orienting your body in such a way as to turn it each time you're making a stroke. Whenever you're doing the butterfly or the breaststroke, you've got the front part of your body hitting into the water with each stroke. And this front crawl, the freestyle, you're constantly pulling on the water. I mean, every time you're moving your arm back, you're pulling on the water. You're doing this a little bit with the backstroke, but the thing with the backstroke is when you're laying on the back of the water, you can't get your arm back close to your body like you can on the front stroke. So you get a little bit more drag with the backstroke. Um, you know, that's the only other of the four strokes that you can get this, you know, the long axis of your body really.
2: I, oddly enough, oddly enough, the backstroke, when you're watching it, it looks like they're going faster because their shoulders are square and they're creating, they're moving the water. So that little like, uh, like little wake that they're making it makes it look like they're actually moving faster. You can see the movement in the water, but the freestyle, they're more they're splashing. slicing. They're slicing through the water and they're splashing. Mm. So the backstroke actually looks like like they're <laughs> going faster, It looks, but smoother. It looks smoother. Smoother, yeah. yes, smoother. Yes. So
0: they, it's basically it's less surface area in contact with the water as they push through with each. Yeah,
4: I mean. You know, whenever you're doing these, you're, you're you're twisting a little bit too, and mm-hmm. and of course the main thing your legs are doing is keeping your body, you know, parallel to the surface of the water. That, that that's the main thing that your legs are doing, in addition to a little bit of propulsion. But but you well,
3: Gary, I don't think it's just your surface area. It's the it's the surface area that is plowing through the water that matters yeah. here for yep. the drag. That's because obviously that's your that's whole body is being, touching the water.
0: Yeah, and that so surface if, area. If your legs don't, if you're not keeping them parallel to the surface of the water and they drop down, then you've got more drag. Oh, yeah. The point you more. made is more articulate. you have articulated better than I did.
2: That's so fair. let me ask this then, based on Gary's point just there. There was something called the Burkoff Blast-Off uh, yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was dolphin kicking underwater with his hands in front of him, Superman style. Yep. And he stayed underwater and was dusting. At, well, I can't say dusting because it was in water. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just. I left by, you in my molecules, my water right, molecules. Exactly. <laughs> I left away. you in my water. So, and there wasn't a wake. So yeah, I left you in my my, my not, molecules. Not, not in my wake, not in my dust. Not in my wake. I didn't dust you, but I left you in my, in my water molecules. Because, and so why is that? So such an effective means of propulsion, and why did they stop that from happening? Yeah, and I want to add to that, just to add, just because while we're attacking
3: you, Eric,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> um, we like that, we're friendly.
3: In a freestyle event, who the hell cares what stroke you're doing? Why would they outlaw a stroke that gives you an advantage in a freestyle event?
4: No, I, I agree, and I mean, now we're getting into the topic of well, what kind of suit can you wear, and, and you know, you know, are there other kind of advantages you can get from technology and stuff? But as far as just the actual stroke, I think you should be able to do whatever you want if it's actually a freestyle.
0: <laughs> Otherwise,
3: i will just call it the crawl, the crawl race, the Australian yeah, I mean, crawl, I mean, whatever. And everybody picks but, this, this
4: this crawl because that is the fastest stroke.
3: But but you agree with Chuck that. This little dolphin kick is faster than the crawl.
4: I mean if you can if you can stay underwater, I mean now you're 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 not getting the energy loss from the slapping, you know, the slapping of the water, you know, you're not getting the drag of your hand through the air. I mean if you can do something to propel in the water, but I mean obviously you can't hold your breath for very long. I mean you're going to have to come up for air at some point, but I mean Yeah, but just
3: come up and then go back down and continue yeah, it. So what?
4: Yeah, I mean Right. I I I I'm all for it. If 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 you can, I mean if you can walk on the bottom of the, the, <laughs> the pool and that's gonna, <laughs> by all means do it. Whatever you can run do, on the bottom of the pool, <laughs> whatever you can do, that's going to be a heck of a lot of drag, but you know, it's not going to mm. win you any races, but I'm, I mean, as long as it's freestyle, if you're just, whatever it is you're doing in the water, I, I think that should be fine.
2: By the way, if you're walking on the bottom of the pool, that's called the hippo. Oh,
4: yeah. Right, but,
2: but if you're walking on the top of the pool, that's called the
3: Jesus, right? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, let's go to the next question. Who's got it? Gary, you got this uh, one?
0: All right, Sam Couch. Here we go, Sam. Uh, my question for this topic, what is the most physically demanding Olympic sport and what is the most mentally demanding sport in your opinion I have so much respect for all of these athletes and their incredible athletic abilities but I have always wondered what sport takes the biggest
2: physiological toll on the human body well they're <laughs> both the same sport both the same sport and it's ribbon dancing oh, okay
0: <laughs> Any particular color, Ribbon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like fuchsia.
3: <laughs> Eric, this question is for you, not for Chuck.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, an easy answer might be the decathlon. I mean, you've got 10 events. You've got to do the 100 meter, the 400 meter, the 1,500 meters. You're almost having to do a mile. And then you've got high hurdles. You've got to throw a javelin. You've got to get the discus. you got a shot put. Let's see, there's a pole vault, high jump, and what's the last one? Long jump. I mean, all these different things are gonna have to be, you know, requiring different uh athletic abilities. And mentally, I mean, you know, you got to go from okay, now I'm gonna have to sprint a hundred meters to now I gotta pace myself over fifteen hundred meters. Um if I could imagine doing some of those, I can't imagine running the marathon right now. You know, marathons over 42. Kilometers, what is that? A little bit more than twenty-six miles. Yep. Uh, you do a lap on the track. It's four hundred meters. So imagine, you know, you're running a lap on the track. Now you got to do one hundred and four more. I mean, it's it's wow. it's the type of thing that requires a lot of training and and.
2: But wait a minute, the marathon is. Is the marathon in the decathlon? No, no, no. no, 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 no it's another standalone
4: event. So he's he's oh, listing
2: okay. sports.
0: Yeah. That All
4: right, do. cool. No, no. I mean, well, you've got, point.
0: I mean, the other, there's a number of sort of thoughts in my mind. The triathlon would be one to throw in there, the swim, the ride, the run. Is that um, in the Olympics?
3: Is the triathlon in the Olympics? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. They like their athletes to suffer. But is it the
3: Ironman triathlon?
2: Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you can run all different kinds of tries, but the Ironman is... Yeah, the, but, Iron is Man's the the big deal. Is, is that, the Ironman Iron in the
3: Olympics? Deal. That's what I'm asking.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's a marathon. They I run. don't think it's a marathon, but they do it. They run a triathlon.
2: Okay, so, okay,
0: straight and back to back.
2: Yeah, but if it ain't the Iron Man, I'm not. I'm I'm not impressed. Okay, no. it's not, if it's not, <laughs> the, and, star, and, and this is, and wait a minute, this is coming from from a guy who's never even run for a bus. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is a guy who eats potato chips on the couch. <laughs> I'm not impressed. <laughs>
0: you, you, you always cite wrestling as a, a physically demanding sport. And we did a show recently, and we had Dr. Kevin Stone on who went through the physiology of a a 2000 meter rowing race and how your body is destroyed physically. It's like every muscle, every stroke. Yeah. Yeah. And what Mm -hmm. happens to get you from a point in the race where you've got nothing to the finish line is all about you. And it's all about what you have in your head, in your soul, what you can summon. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, something okay. like that for me, I mean, I, I don't know that we're going to have the definitive answer, but there's events like that that just well, I, m- have you sat in awe. I'll
4: give you one that you're not going to see as much when you're watching on television. And that's water polo. Mm. Imagine you've got four eight-minute quarters and you cannot touch the bottom of the pool. I mean...
3: Eric, I think I was like 25 before I learned, what? They're not just walking on the bottom of the pool. <laughs>
4: They're not just walking. I was walking.
3: like... <laughs> <laughs> i'm a city kid and i don't have much pool experience right oh uh, uh, you're talking about that i thought you said Marco
2: polo <laughs>
4: no that, that's what when they get out at different. the end of the quarter but i mean <laughs> they're doing the egg beater kick the whole time i mean they have to stay you know with their arms up they're you know constantly engaging their core constantly kicking catching throwing i mean and you don't see it as much because you're not really you know, watching all that. And of course, now they. You got just the see the
2: cameras. head moving along the surface of the water, yeah. right.
4: and, and of course, now they. And then got the camera, sometimes they maybe. come
2: up like when they make their moves, they, they come up really, like waist they level. They propel upward. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's crazy. Okay, like wow. Poseidon
3: style, right? Poseidon yes. like rises up for for, for the shot. Yeah, <laughs> very good. My only point, Gary, was when I wrestled. Mm-hmm. I've never been more tired in anything I've ever done than after I have wrestled on, on a point where after one match I could not hold my pee. And there's no other sport I've ever done for which that happened.
4: Tell us there's no tape of this in Russia somewhere. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, now that I'm well-known, that's that same Matt. That it says, here, Neil Peed. you know, is <laughs> he, he, a little marker, See, historical what his marker. What this question has
0: done is give us all, I think, an unbelievable respect for sports that maybe we hadn't considered. Yes. Sure. Of, yeah. of, of why, for me, the Olympics is the greatest show on earth why it brings the best of the best, and it challenges you just not on a physical level, just not on natural skill level, but your stuff, your inner real stuff. And, and Eric, we, we've funny.
3: debated among us many times, uh, is, are there any sports that would be the top of our list of removing from the Olympics, for them not, not being sort of categorized the way other sports are, and one of my first criteria was: Would the Greeks have ever drawn it on the side of one of their urns? And so the esports, I can't picture them putting someone crouched over a computer terminal yeah. as one of the things on the thing. But another, but another important one was: If the sport does not produce sweat, should it be in the Olympics? And every, all of the sports you mentioned, of course, are sweat-inducing. Uh, up and down. And there's
4: always been controversy about judged sports. You know, how much subjectivity. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah, you run them. 100 meters, it's who got from point A to point B the, the, the fastest. I mean, the, the other ones that, you know, I mean, the, and these karate, you know, events are going to have the katas that are going to be judged. So, I mean, they're going to be, uh, you know, quite a bit of subjective uh, determination in the, in the medals. <laughs>
3: And they're going to figure that out. I mean, it's a new sport, so they'll, if there are any but the rough judges edges, are know.
4: martial arts experts. These are not just people off the. I mean, they're going to know what to look for and stuff. So,
3: and they're going to say, sweep, Plus, the yeah. <laughs> sweep the leg. Yeah, <laughs> we got to take a quick break. When we come back, right. our third and final segment. We'll get some more questions from our Patreon members because they want to know about the physics of sports right now in the Olympic season. We'll see you in a moment.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming
4: devil. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
1: Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses.
4: Call me picky, but I just can't find the
1: one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on.
3: We're back. Star Talks Sports Edition. A Cosmic Queries on the physics of Olympic sports. And we've got the one and only Eric Goff, uh, author of Gold Medal Physics. Did I get the title of that correct, Eric? It is. That's
4: correct.
3: Gold Medal Physics. You know, that's, you need some, need some brains in the middle of what you're doing with your brawn and your speed or whatever else. And he's got it. Plus, he's got a black belt in karate. That put that on your resume, on your business card, okay? Mm-hmm. PhD physics, black belt, and karate. That's all you have to put, and you're good to yeah. go. Um, so, Eric, yeah,
2: your, uh, your students don't give you any problem. Uh, any huh? problem at all.
3: Uh, so, Eric, we, can we find you on social media?
4: Um, John Eric Goff is my public Facebook page. Um, I'm, I'm still a little bit of a dinosaur on the social media front, but it's coming along.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll, uh, and the more... The fans, you get on it; the more they'll egg you on in that direction. Yeah. So, John, Eric, Goff, uh, Facebook, excellent. And Chuck, you're still going at Chuck Nice Comic.
2: Thank you. Yes, I. And know. I did
3: confirm that. Yes, I do follow you. For a while okay. there, I was wondering, do I follow you, this man? Let me
2: let me guess. You started this morning. No, it was <laughs> just so you could say that right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and uh, Mister My Three Left Feet on Twitter. Um, yeah,
0: my three left feet. That's
3: that's it. You got it. You got it. So let's get back to our. Patreon questions, uh, and who's who's up next? Who's got it? All
0: right. Okay. Let's
3: go with the next Patreon question. But oh, just, wait, just wait, wait before you do that. It, it occurred to me in my background here, the mm-hmm. audio, there is oh, yeah. a tick, ticker tape parade moving up Broadway.
2: Um, oh, for the essential workers. Yeah, there's yes. essential
3: workers, uh, first first uh, responder workers. First responders. In celebration of uh, coming out of COVID, because the city is basically open now, oh, good. and so it's a ticker tape parade, which is reserved for. Heroes, heroes, and in the old days, politicians. But uh, nowadays, politicians, uh, no one thinks of them as heroes. But right. the people who put their lives at risk in the service of others are still respected. And and if you win the World Series, <laughs> right, <laughs> or it <or Well>, <laughs> same thing, right, <laughs> or the Super Bowl, my life, the, the heroes,
2: one, it's the same.
3: It's the same right. thing. So right. if you hear that in the background, that's why the Canyon of Heroes, the Canyon of Heroes, yes. Lower Broadway, and,
0: uh, essential workers, well deserved. Yes, right. yes, you got at- it. Okay, it's what like, do you have it's a, for us, Gary? All right, my question is, are there unique ways that athletes, especially Olympic athletes, train their minds not to choke when literally the whole world is watching them? Oh,
3: tell us mm. about that choke factor, Eric. Yeah. Do, you, do you get into that as well? What's the physics of choking?
4: <laughs> well, I, I mean, focus is obviously what you have to do. I mean, you have to be able to tune out the, the crowd noise, the other events that might be taking place the best example I ever saw of this was Michael Phelps and the death stare, you know, getting up to the pool and just this, I'm going to kill you look on his face before he jumped into that pool. And of course, whenever you've, you've got to do some kind of pre-com- pre-competition routine, you know, you're, you're going through a checklist in your mind of what you're about to do or you're thinking of other things. All kinds of relaxation techniques are going to be available to athletes in, in modern training. So, you know, they're going to have to find what works best for them whenever they get out onto the, the, the field. There.
3: So it's it's to have a death stare that works when you're a good swimmer. It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm the telling you, the water. Yeah, for the best in the world, works every time. Yeah. Uh, hey, water, you're going down. <laughs> but but wait, but so are 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 there some sports? Would you say need your mental? focus more than others Uh, for example
4: well if i was simon biles and i was about to hop up on a balance beam i'd want to make sure that you know i'm very focused on where i'm walking (laughs) you'd think yeah
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean there's there's certain sports neil where there's pun intended here choke points so golf is part of the olympics tennis those those you're serving for the match your How, is ta- How is golf a okay. part of How is golf a part
2: of it? Hey, hey, hey. It's <laughs> I messy. come on. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: messenger. Check it. it gotta be...
2: First of all, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> Secondly, I am pissed off <laughs> like you can't believe. R- okay, some- a sport where you... Uh, Get in a cart and drive to the next thing you gotta do. Are you kidding? And a dude, some other dude, caddies your badge for you? Are you kidding me?
3: Uh, you ladies and gentlemen,
4: Chuck Nice just blew a gasket.
2: <laughs> uh, I am. I can't believe this. Maybe the
4: caddies should be the ones being awarded the medals.
2: <laughs> there you go. It's like- no. Yes, and no sport where you actually where the people who play the sport. Okay. Aside from softball, no sport where there is a significant portion of the population that plays the game so they can drink. <laughs> that that's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, Chuck. All right,
0: I'm gonna press the Chuck button blew here. a gasket. Uh, are you would you want in the equestrian
2: section of the Olympics, do you want the horse to get a medal as well? Absolutely. Oh yeah. All I right. mean Listen, the riders should get a medal, but the horse, when they win the Kentucky Derby, they put a laurel leaf of roses around the horse. It's just like, thanks a lot, guy. One day you'll be glue. But right now, we <laughs> love it. <him. When> <laughs> and
4: don't forget, when ESPN did their top 50 athletes of the 20th century, Secretariat was 35 on the list. Nice. Okay. So. Hmm. You know, little just I mean, go just back to the original there. question from our. I'm sorry,
0: I I'm forgot sorry. the original got, question Chuck, because Chuck doesn't ask I mean, it. So, I, so, see, I you about, forgot we're the original question. And then we got Chuck relaxing there
4: for
0: a minute. Remember, we had Dr. Leah Lagos on, and she had this heart rate variability, biofeedback, controlling breathing, and then people could dial up or dial down their own inner self. And they could, if they got the technique, really quickly they could control it within about one single breath right i can imagine that and and remember some some anxiety is
4: good i mean you you, you want to be on the edge of stress and you want to be able to feel that anxiety whenever you're going out to perform at that high level
2: as a matter of fact what you just said is one of the things that she pointed out to us is that for some athletes they want to they don't want to dial down the excite the excitability of their brain. For yeah. others, they do, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. also depends on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. You want some anxiety and stress and like that feeling of, oh my God, well I'm, like you want that to work to feed you in certain certain situations. Mm. So Chuck, I
3: always imagine a conversation between a baseball player and a golfer, right? And they don't know anything about each other's sports. And so the baseball player asked the golfer, "Um, how fast is the ball moving when you hit it? Uh, Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it? It's on the ground between my feet. Um, Are people screaming at you? No, no, no. It's total silence. (laughs) 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 So when you swing... Is is the ball moving then? No, it's still there the whole time. It, it's so so just to compare. And well oh, how about you? Uh, when you hit the ball, how fast is the ball going? 90 miles an hour? The person right. who throws it, do they want you to hit it? No, they do everything they can so that I can't hit it. Are right. people silent? No, they're making as much noise as they can. Right. So, I have to agree with you, Chuck. Golf,
2: I can't no. I can't go I can't embrace it. And, and in your and in your analogy, uh uh, the one thing is like sometimes that guy throwing the ball, sometimes he just throws it at my <laughs> head. And <laughs> I can't figure out which, which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> I never know what's happening.
3: <laughs> All right, back to the question. So, Gary, what else do you have for us?
0: All right. Apologies if I mispronounce your name. the Dias. This is interesting. This is an interesting way to approach this. How are modern-day athletes taking advantage of latest breakthroughs in AI and machine learning to analyze their opponents as well as in taking informed decisions about their own bodies? Does the Olympic governing body have some rules regarding using such an AI to prevent athletes to gain unfair advantage? Ooh, I wonder if Mm -hmm. the Olympic Committee, the IOC, have got ahead of this and have built in anything regarding the use of AI. And let me add to
3: that, is it possible that AI would discover a physics loophole that you had not considered in evaluating how someone can perform in a sport? I I would count the Fosbury flop as a loophole. And AI might have been in a position to have discovered that before humans did.
4: Yeah, I mean, Interesting. I haven't heard about the IOC doing anything to ban yet, but certainly one of the things we're going to see at this Olympics, I know Intel and, and the Alibaba cloud and all that, they're, they've are they got these 3D athletic training that's going to be able to help um, with viewership. Whenever Whenever you're watching this stuff, you're going to see real-time data, speed, who's in the lead, the distance traveled. They're going to have these cameras set up around the various events. They're creating these little like 3D meshes and stuff.
3: These are geek monitors. I love exactly.
4: it. Exactly. And and they're going to have outlines of the athletes and you're going to have biometric data in real time. And this is being used in training. You, you, you're, you can actually acquire this data in training. You can know like, where are you outputting the most power in a given event? You know, where does your power wane? You know, where... You know where do you need to pick it up a little bit? Athletes have talked about in various different events how they can move a slightly different way, a slightly different lean angle and all this provided by all of this data that's been acquired and they can shave a couple of tenths of a second off of a hundred meter sprint or do a little bit better but, on to, a to Gary's
3: point, Eric, is that unfair if someone doesn't have access to it? And, and if it, it is deemed unfair, is it any more unfair than wealthy countries with modern... Um, I mean, historically, wealthy countries mm. had uh, clean, modern training facilities. This, by the way, this was contrasted with in uh, Rocky IV, right? There was Drago with all the scientists around him performing experiments. And there's Rocky. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, we saw that. Yeah. That's right. And there's Rocky, you know, hauling logs up a snowbank. So um, is there some, does the Olympics think about parity in, in training?
4: I mean, personally, I think whatever you can use to train and, and whatever you know science can help you provide ought to be legal. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, maybe that...
2: Nothing performance-enhancing, right? Maybe
4: the Speedo LZR, the racer suit that was the big thing in 2008 in Beijing where, you know, Nat, NASA starts working with Speedo and all of a sudden you've got, like, a way to trap bubbles in there and help your buoyancy. I mean, if you're talking about equipment advantages... That's different. But I mean, if we're just talking about, you know, I mean, people have nutritionists, you know, they know what diet to have. They know the best way to get their carbs up to a certain point, like when they're running the marathon. I mean, all of this is is just attacking science in different ways from nutrition to strength and endurance to flexibility to watching your, your balance, your form. Where you're outputting more energy in a given event, and and I, I see no no problem at all with technology being able to help people doing it. They're always going to be advantage. I mean, you know, money's always you know, sponsorship and all this. They're always going to be able to help some athletes and then not others. Mm-hmm.
2: So why not if everybody gets the suit that has the bubbles in it that keeps the buoyancy? Why not let everybody get the suit? That's kind of I how mean, I look yeah, at if, it. If, if everybody I mean, is allowed deal? to
4: use the same suit, that's different. But I mean, yeah. you know if you're creating advantages with equipment that's used in a given event that other countries don't have i mean that that's that's a little different i think
0: this is the same thing with the, the the marathon running shoe with the carbon fiber plates in it they have not allowed it into competition because not it is not readily available for every athlete now if we go back to ai and it it can't Obviously help you in the competition of your event, but it can help you in preparation. But is it available to every athlete? No. It's because not. if it isn't, then you either decide that it is going to be available to every athlete or you
2: scrap it. Yeah, but you can't tell people how to train. And AI it would be more more of a training um <clears throat> construct than it would be a competition. And the playing field's not. Yeah, well, no. I mean, listen, the United States wins the Olympics for the most part, medal count every single Olympics because why? We're a very rich nation and we allow people to, we give people the freedom of choice to pursue their passion. So it's not like the government is saying, oh, you're going to be a track star. No, it's somebody who has come up from the time that they're a kid dreaming about being a track star, mm. but then some corporation steps in and says, I'm going to dump a bunch of money on you so that you can realize that dream. But that's an advantage but you but, to, to Eric's point.
4: Things because, I mean, look at 1992 with the Dream Team. Their first match was Angola. Angola had like two gyms in the whole country where they played basketball. And, of course, they get demolished. But look where international basketball has come since we, you know, started – you know, the NBA was funneling money into other parts of the world and stuff. I mean, sure, the rich countries are always going to be first, and they're always going to have all the advantages with training. But eventually, I think it helps pull up the other countries too, eventually.
3: Yeah, and okay. also, Gar- Gary, the – I mean, so if I train at high altitude because I live at high altitude, you can't say, no, you have to train at sea level because everyone
0: else is. The, you see, can't, that's it, the, this it, is it, the discussion. It, I'm not saying one of the answers. Yes, it's, you it's, were. It's,
3: yes, you were. Don't I pretend watched. like you didn't vote on that. <laughs> <laughs> we got time for like a couple more. Give me a couple right, more so, questions okay. here.
0: Um, we've uh, Woody. I think we've kind of touched on your question about you know the advantages with richer nations and training and nutrition and how we get it. I have a producer bonus question, which mm, I think
3: we'll learn. here we go. A producer, so, one of our producers asked this.
0: Yeah, and that would be me. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if okay. If we were to watch one event in the Olympics, it's always. Who's the fastest human on the planet? It's the 100 meters. And uh, so if somebody, Eric... Is right, just to
3: be clear, meters, just to be clear, the ooh. 200 meters is run in faster time than twice the world record of the 100 meters. So technically, the winner of the 200 is the fastest human, just to put it out there.
0: But we all watch the 100 meters. Yeah, we all watch the we 100 all, meters. We, we, whether mm-hmm. it's better marketing... Whether they got a better advertising team, I don't know, but it's the hundred. Million- Plus, it's on a
3: straightaway, so it's one camera shot all the way down. Okay, go.
0: And so, what speed is an athlete going to need to break Usain Bolt's 9.58
4: seconds? Well, when he, when he was in the 2012 Olympics, I think the Olympic record he set was 9.63, but he hit almost 28 miles an hour in the latter part of that run. So you're you're talking about getting up to twenty-eight, twenty-nine miles an hour when Flojo set the record, you know, sh- she was a few miles an hour slower. Florence Joyner, Yeah, Florence mm-hmm. Joyner yeah. Um, back in eighty-eight. So th- this was a couple miles an hour slower. So we're talking about twenty-five, twenty-six miles an hour, but I mean you're you're definitely you're speeding in a school zone here. I mean you're you're definitely past <laughs> twenty-five miles an hour here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't run past the schools. Uh, you get a uh, ticket in every great. state. Yes. <laughs> wouldn't it just be great if they're on the track and, and it's like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Pull over. Yeah, the
0: police officer at the end of the track with a right... Right, hitting you with
2: a gun. Yeah. Right, uh, right. So what is... Is is there is there a speed that human beings... not? not I'm not talking about cheetahs, you know, like mm. 70 miles an hour. But is there a speed with our ph- physiology that is our absolute top speed
4: yeah well right now it's about 28 miles an hour i mean (laughs) (laughs) in other
2: words we're already there Mm
4: -hmm. but 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 also keep in mind when 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 bolt set this record he's six foot five and if you do a little mm. biomechanical scaling your speed's going to scale with your height short things little short critters they have great acceleration the bigger animals, they have larger speeds, top speeds. It took him 41 steps to set that Olympic record. The person who got the silver was Johan Blake. He was five eleven. Took him five more steps to cross that finish line. So, you know, he ha- he had fewer steps that he had to take. Bolt did when he when he made that hundred meter run and set that record. So there are, I mean, you talk about advantages. Hey, the guy's six foot five. I mean, that's already an advantage when you're running a hundred meter sprint.
0: <laughs> how, tall, how tall do we go? Do we, do we get to a seven-foot athlete to, to get that leg length, that leverage? Or is well, that just now gone too now far? now the problem is
4: he's like a pendulum. Now you're swinging a lot of mass in a, in a given direction. And you've got a lot more air drag, too, with the, the taller you are. So, you know, I, I think Bolt almost hit kind of an optimum. <laughs> you know, he hit the right size and then the right strength profile.
3: So we have notes that uh, Shikari Richardson is five foot one. Is that correct? Is she the one, um, the sprinter?
2: Um, um, Yes, she's the sprinter. And unfortunately, for this Mm -hmm. Olympics, uh, it's been announced that she will not be able to. Well, this is from the marijuana in her book. Yeah, right. Which is total BS. Like, everybody's marijuana is pretty much legal everywhere now. Well, no, but
3: that's not even it. It's that marijuana never made anyone run faster. Yes, (laughs)
2: Yes, so. <laughs> so thank you. I was about to say that she should actually be applauded. Applauded.
3: For, for the, yeah, it, it it's like you, fun,
4: run you hit a ball before you hit you ships hit. or something, maybe. But
3: <laughs> faster to get the munchies. But,
4: but Trayvon Tra- Tra- Bromwell is is about 5'8", I think, and and he's you know hmm. a candidate for the hundred meter. And I mean, so when you watch the hundred meter, watch the shorter athletes come out of the block faster. They're going to have the acceleration advantage watch the taller athletes pick up the speed at the end, and then it's a race to see which one had the advantage there. And when you watch that bolt in 2012 when he set the record, one thing about that, he was the fastest coming off the block.
2: So he got him uh, both ways then. He got okay, got yeah, yeah. So mm. there you go. That's mm. indefensible. I got the acceleration and I got the top speed. That ain't fair. <laughs> no. Robin's the fastest,
0: the fastest at uh, 100 meters in 2021 right now, correct? Who is Professor oh, oh. Brom
4: Brommel. Oh Brommel? yeah, Bromo I think has the the top um Was
0: it nine seven seven, I think, for a hundred.
4: Yeah, yeah, nine. 9- well, but
3: 9- what do you care that it's the fastest this year? We're talking about Usain Bolt, for goodness sake.
0: No, I know, but this year we're going into Olympics and there's no bolt.
3: Yeah.
4: No bolt. And and, no and no that nine seven seven, that's only the seventh fastest speed ever. So I mean, you know that's that's pretty good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> But Eric, I don't want you to be the person who in 50 years people look back on and say, Ha, he thought we hit the maximum and now we're running it in nine flat, right? This is what they said about the four minute mile and the two hour marathon and 27 feet for
4: the. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
3: do you want to be, you want to retract anything you've said in this? this
4: I I don't think we've hit the the, the peak of anything. I mean, we're always going to be making these millimetric, you know, progressions toward new records and, and, microsecond changes and technology is helping us get there. I mean, technology is definitely helping the training of the athletes and, you know, humans are getting a little taller. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what a hundred years from now looks like, or at least we won't, but (laughs) other people
3: will. Well, we got to bring this to a close. Let me, I, I mentioned this before, but this was another occasion to say it again. I forgive me. I don't remember which airport I was in, but I look at airport mosaics that are on the floor and I photograph them. A lot of them have cosmic relevance, a, a compass rose or a constellation. Uh, a lot of them do, interestingly. So um, one of them was a plaque that said, on such and such a date, maybe 2012, uh, Usain Bolt landed at this airport. And then it said, and his plane landed 10 minutes later.
2: <laughs> oh, that's
1: awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you, you don't expect that, because it's like, it's 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 mosaic in a floor.
4: Was right? that in Heathrow, that... You said 2012, so there would have
3: been a London Olympics. I don't remember. It was, it was a domestic airport. Oh, okay. So I, I have to look in my notes. I took a photo of it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very cute. Very cute. Good so sense of cool. humor. Yeah. So, so, guys, so Eric, thanks for being back on Star great Talk. To be back. You know, this is not the last time we're going to get you on this. That'd be great. So, Gary, always good to have you there, dude. It's
0: been a pleasure, my friend.
3: All right, Chuck.
2: Always a pleasure.
3: This has been Star Talk Sports Edition Cosmic Queries. Special guest Eric Goff talking about the physics of sports in this the olympic season i'm neil degrasse tyson as always keep looking up
1: reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh,